This podcast is part of the Podbelly Network. Please visit podbelly.com to see a complete listing of all of our other shows. It's about to be a fun ride. Follow along, watch as we slide. Paranormal just hit the lights. Goosebumps all through the night. Mixing just a little bit of twain. That girl sure can't do a thing. Together, hillbillies go insane. Laugh so hard it'll hurt your brain. Podcast you won't ever change. These two here, they got the recipe. Sat on back and listen in to some of our darkest mysteries, eh? Welcome to Hillbilly Horror Stories. And now here's your host. Jerry and Tracy Polly and their dog Ninja. Hey guys, welcome to episode 187 of Hillbilly Horror Stories. I'm Jerry. And I'm Tracy. And I know the numbers might seem a little screwed up if you're if you were listening because Wow. We uh we went on vacation and the show that we had pre recorded and set up, for some reason the full amount didn't record. So we had to re-release the next episode early. So then when we got back from vacation, we redid the end of the one that didn't record right and put it out. So you ended up with, I think, 184, 186, 185, and now 187. Mm -hmm. So a little bit of a jump off in there. So apologize about that, but we got it all fixed. I didn't have my laptop with me because I couldn't fix it until we got home. True story. So anyways, um, obviously we want to start off by thanking all of our military and civil servants and our K-9 units all over the world, no matter which country you represent. Thank you guys, gals, and uh, puppies for everything you do. Yeah, we appreciate you guys. Pray for you all every single day. Thank you for keeping us safe. And we're going to uh, also remind people that, you know, if you're having a tough time, if you're struggling, if uh, things are going on in your life that are maybe seem like a little more than you can handle at the moment, Please reach out for help, whether it be to us, whether it be to friends, family members, co-workers. The suicide hotline at 1-800-273-8255 or the text line at 741-741. Just please know that there's people out there that care about you, whether you realize it in that moment or not. Reach out for help, please, before you do something foolish. Yes, please do that. And Joanne, you can also um, go to our group if you need support as well. Absolutely. Join our group, Hillbilly Horror Stories, on Facebook. And uh, there's about 4,500 people that will gladly tell you that you're wanted, needed, and loved. Absolutely. All right. So this story tonight, and and before we get into the story, I want to mention real quick, uh, we've got a lot of housekeeping to do since we did miss, you know, we were gone a couple of weeks, basically. Uh, so after the story, we're going to uh, talk a little bit about upcoming uh, live shows because that's getting ready to kick off. We're going to uh, get your opinion on a couple of things, on a couple of reviews we got. So I want to see if everybody's kind of feeling the same way as the reviews or if these were just a, a couple of um, uh, independents that aren't necessarily in line with everybody else's thinking. And we definitely have a couple of weeks worth of iTunes reviews and um, Patreons to get mm-hmm. into. All right, so... Tonight's show is, I guess it's one of those true crime stories like we occasionally do that's usually got some kind of a, you know, subject matter uh, that deals with a little more paranormal type or occult or something like that. It's going to be a little darker than most of our stories that that we cover, obviously. Um, It's not as graphic as some of the true crime stories that we've done. 
But at the same time, it does involve some murder. There is a little bit of graphics. There's a little bit of um, sexual talk in it. So if this is something that might be a trigger for you, or if it's something that you're going to plan on listening to with little kids, probably not the episode for that. So just trying to give everybody the heads up so they can kind of tune it out if they want to. Mm -hmm. So we're going to primarily focus tonight on a gentleman by the name of Rod Farrell, and he's from Murray, Kentucky, which is in the western part of our state. Yeah. Uh, it's about, about four hours from where we are in, in Lexington. Now, you may have heard of this case before. It's from the, the 90s, uh, but... This involves a group called the Kentucky Vampires. Mm. Thus, the reason that we're doing it on our show. So we'll get into all that, obviously. So let's talk about Murray as a city uh, before we get too much into uh, Rod Farrell. So Murray's a little quiet, friendly city. It's right smack dab in the middle of the uh, the Bible Belt. And a matter of fact, this area of, of the Bible Belt in the country is known as the Buckle. So oh. it really is right in the middle oh, wow. of the Bible Belt. So this story takes place in the 1990s. And this was back when goth was really becoming a thing. Satanic panic uh, had spread all over the U.S., but particularly in the Bible Belt. Uh, this was around the same time frame as the West Memphis Three murders. Oh. Uh, same situation there. So, yeah, the, the goth thing was just taken off, so mm -hmm. you were looked at if you were wearing all black yes. and the black hair and the makeup and, and all that. You were kind of looked at around most people as peculiar. It's not a thing now. People see it no, all the time. No, not a deal. thing at all. But back then, if you were looked at, you know, as, oh, well, you must be have some kind of involvement in dark forces mm -hmm. or the occult or something, or you would dress like it. And that's just the way that it was. So, let's learn a little bit about Rod Farrell. Uh, we will start with the fact that Rod was about 14 years old at the time um, this story is going to take place. Not in the end, but where we're going to start at. He was about 14 years old. And this is when he started really causing problems at home. We'll start with the fact that Rod had a very rough childhood. He was born on March 28, 1980 in Murray, Kentucky. And he told investigators after uh, the crime that we'll get into later was committed that one of his earliest memories was being raped when he was five years old. This supposedly took place during a satanic ritual that his grandfather participated in. Now, this oh, is a, you know, that's horrible. This is according to Rod. Mm -hmm. So I don't know how much validity is here. His grandfather was a member of a cult called the Black Mask, and they chose Rod as the guardian of the Black Mask. So, like I said, once again, I'm going to reiterate that this is coming from Rod to the investigators. He said to be the guardian, he had to become one with all of the other cult members, so he was molested by each one of them. Oh, man. That's terrible. He then said that the cult made a human sacrifice in front of him. So with this being said, let's discuss what we know are facts. Rod did not have any positive male role models in his life, period. His mother seemed to date very bad influences, one right after the other. His mother was obsessed with vampires, and she shared these interests with Rod uh, at a very early age. 
She was also in a group of self-proclaimed vampires. Now, she claimed that it never went as far as drinking blood or anything like that. His mother moved herself and Rod to Eustis, Florida, where Rod, when Rod was 14. Rod was adjusting to life in Florida, and he met this 13-year-old girl by the name of Heather Windorf, and they became best friends. Most said that they were inseparable. Hmm. They were always together. Well, things didn't work out between his mom and the boyfriend, go figure. So the two moved back to Kentucky, back to Murray. Well, this sucked for Rod because he and Heather were amazingly close. Once again, his whole life was turned upside down. So Heather and Rod stayed in touch and would talk frequently on the telephone. Of course, these were pre-cell phone days, so they would have to call long distance and stuff like that. So the trip back to Murray, Kentucky was definitely um, making a troubled kid worse. Well, I can imagine. He probably thought he was already, you know, free from that crap. Right. So even before they moved to Florida, Rod was starting to find himself in trouble on a regular basis. Rod started using drugs when he was in his early teens. His drugs of choice included marijuana, heroin, LSD, and cocaine. Damn, he went for it. Yeah. Now he's back home in Kentucky and... Everything gets turned up a notch. If you think things were bad before, it's only going to get worse. So it starts when he meets this 15-year-old boy named Jaden. They had a lot in common. They dressed the same. Like, for example, Rod usually wore a uh, black trench coat, and Jaden wore a black cloak. Very similar. They liked the same kind of music, all that stuff. So everything mm-hmm. was kind of the same. Two peas in a pod. Most importantly, they loved all things vampire. Jaden had this small cult-like group that he was the leader of. He called this group his family. Now, when I say cult, I don't use that term loosely. They would do things that normal teenage groups uh, do, like playing role-playing games. Yeah. You know, but this group's game of choice was a role-playing game uh, by the name of Vampire the Masquerade. But... They would also drink each other's blood, which is where I think it crosses the line into cult territory. Oh, God, yes. Ooh. Jaden's main rule was that each member must put the family first before anything else and be completely loyal. So Rod and Jaden both quit school at 16 years old. Rod started to become completely obsessed with death. He loved horror movies and the occult, satanic imagery, and demons. I'm not sure how much of this actually came from the vampire role-playing game, but he was convinced that he was a 500-year-old vampire by the name of Visago. So this is a quote from Rod himself. My bedroom was an array of dark side of the occult, such as the Necronomicon, the Satanic Bible. I had upside-down crosses. I had broken shards of glass laying around in a corner. I had metal hooks and cables wrapped around looking like Hellraiser. I tried to embrace the lifestyle of being a vampire and being so young, my mind just latched into it so deeply and so tenaciously that I got lost inside of it. What's that mean, the big word you said at the first? It's like the Book of the Dead. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's like a a famous book, the Necronomicon. Mm Mm-hmm. How about that? How about that? It only took me like 15 15 times to do it the first time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I had no idea what that meant. Yeah. In January 1996, Jaden told Rod that it was time for him to cross over. 
Oh my god, that's so scary. This meant that it was time for him to become an actual vampire. Now this would happen by them drinking each other's blood. That's what crossing over meant to these guys was time to drink blood. That's gross. It is gross. So Rod was taken to a cemetery. He went underneath of a tree that Jaden considered to be sacred. Jaden said all of the chosen ones had been made by their sires. I really don't know what that means. Both boys made a small cut on their arms, and then they sucked blood from each other's arm. Then they meditated in the cemetery for a few hours. So Rod was now a full-fledged member of Jaden's family. Rod looked up to Jaden. He said later that even though they were the same age, that he looked at Jaden as a father figure. So because of this, he really opened up to Jaden. Rod would tell him things that made Jaden really worried about uh, Rod's mental stability. No kidding. That's that's pretty deep. I mean, with everything they're doing and he's worried about. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So he felt like Rod was definitely going down a darker path than even he was. He at times would challenge Jaden and acted like he was the leader of the group. Well, that didn't set well with Jaden. I'm sure obviously. it didn't. If his behavior and drug use wasn't enough for a concern, what would happen next would completely shock Jaden and cause him to distance himself from Rod. <laughs> Ninja. So one day, they're walking down a road. They see a kitten. Mm-hmm. Rod picks up the kitten and kills it. No, oh, I don't want to hear that. So not too long after that, the two had a big fight which caused Jaden to banish Rod from his family completely. Wow, that didn't last long. No. May 30th, 1996, Rod's mother came home to find Rod had carved an upside-down cross on his chest. Oh, good Lord. On a different occasion, she came home to find him drinking his girlfriend's blood. <gasps> why would... Why would... Wait, he had a girlfriend now? Yeah, I guess so. Oh, why would she be down for that? I have no idea. So what's Rod's next move? Well, he wanted to start his own family. Matter of fact, he told police later that he wanted his own family anyway, and he was tired of being a blood doll. Did he have any success at starting his own family? Yes. As a matter of fact, yes, he did. We're going to talk about a few of the individuals, but at one point, he had about 30 members. Oh, whoa. That's crazy. This completely blows me away. I bet we don't have 30 people, and I'm being serious, I bet we don't have 30 people in Lexington that listen to this show, the city we live in. And he had 30 people in a small city that wanted to believe they were vampires and drink each other's blood. Think about that. On top of that, they weren't the only group in town. So you had the other guy's group that was doing it too. I mean, and supposedly there were even other groups of these quote-unquote vampires in Murray. They were all over the place. Yeah. So, I mean, what has to be going through people's mind to where, you know, drinking blood and, and doing all the thinking you're a vampire and all this stuff is acceptable? And I and I could be wrong because I didn't research this. Uh, but, I mean, wouldn't this about the same time that Interview with a Vampire and all that stuff came out? Wouldn't yeah, that all like mid-90s right. and all that stuff? Yeah, I think you're right. I don't right. know how much of that would have, you know. Look. I always wanted to be bit by a vampire. <laughs> On the neck, I just thought it would be like so awesome. 
But that would be the end of it. I ain't trying to go around drinking nobody's blood. I know you won't even need uh, a steak if it's not well done. No, that is disgusting. <laughs> so, and it's so amazing that we have that right here in this town. Yeah, right? that many people. That is amazing. So, okay, so one of uh, of Rod's most loyal members was a, a kid by the name of Howard Scott Anderson. And most will tell you that Howard was Rod's right-hand man. His family was called the Vampire Clan. That's what he chose to name it. So how did you become a member of Rod's group? Well, there was an abandoned building that had a reputation for being haunted. Rod would bring his group there and have regular meetings there, and they called this place the Vampire Hotel. They would also bring potential new members here to do initiation ceremonies. That would include new members Drinking Rod's blood. He would then burn a small V into their arm. They would regularly meet at this vampire hotel and perform rituals that included killing small animals, drinking each other's blood, and talking about vampires and demons. At one point, Rod and Howard also broke into an animal shelter and attacked and injured several dogs, including killing two puppies. They supposedly used the blood from these puppies for a ritual. They were both arrested and charged with cruelty to animals. Okay, so this is the background of Rod Farrell and the Vampire Clan. So you had to know that really to uh, see the advancement of his mental illness, or at least that's the, what I'm going to call it, his mental illness, to see the path that they went down and get us to the actual crime. Because we said mm. this was a true crime story. So because... The guys, well, let's keep in mind that he really did think he was a 500-year-old vampire first with special powers that included fortune-telling. So this is, this is you know, part why I say, you know, mental illness and yeah. stuff like that. Why six, do you have to go back 500 years? Yeah, for real. So six weeks after the animal shelter break-in, Rod and a few others decided that they wanted to get away from Murray, mainly because they were tired of being hassled by the police, you, you know being arrested for committing crimes, being hassled. Yeah. Rod had been talking to Heather from Florida. Remember, you remember Heather? That was the girl that he Yeah, so he just kept in touch with her, huh? All these years. She was not happy with her home life. In the past six months, Heather had written several letters to Rod, and she was telling him in these letters that her home life was hell and that she was abused by her parents. She even commented in one letter that she wished they were murdered. Oh, so Rod, of course, had told her about the vampire clan and he and she said that she wanted to become a member. And like we said, the crew were looking for a reason to get out of town anyway. So Rod suggested that they drive to Florida and visit his ex-girlfriend and a couple of other friends and properly induct Heather. His ex-girlfriend was a different girl, by the way. Heather wasn't his girlfriend. She was just a friend. Yeah, yeah. But he was there was an ex-girlfriend he wanted to go see. and uh, But he wanted to properly uh, induct Heather into the clan and possibly bring her back to Kentucky. To Kentucky. Yeah. So in late November 1996, Rod Howard, and I, and I call him Howard, but Rod called him Scott. His name was Howard Scott, but everybody called him Scott. So, mm-hmm. so if you hear me accidentally say Scott, it's yeah. Howard. They're the same person. But it was Howard... Uh, Howard Scott, rather, <laughs> Rod. And then there was two other members of the group 
by the names of Charity Kesey and Dana Cooper that went along. So all four of them took off and went to Florida. I was wondering if there was any other females in there. Yes. On November 26th, they picked up Heather. After picking her up, they went to an undisclosed place to where Heather was officially inducted into the vampire clan by drinking Rod's blood. During this first time together, they decided to break into Heather's home and steal her parents' 1993 Ford Explorer. It was late. Heather was going to come back, you know, to Kentucky with the, the, the rest of the clan. So she didn't want because she didn't want to go back to the house. Mm-hmm. So Rod and Howard approached the house. The girls are still in the in the car. Rod and and Howard go in the house. Rod goes in through the garage, which was unlocked. He sees a crowbar. He grabs it just in case anything you know didn't go as planned. As they get through the actual door of the house. They notice Heather's dad laying on the couch mm-hmm. watching TV. He's asleep. Oh, he's asleep. Now, this isn't going well, I can tell. His name was Richard Windorf. Like I said, he's asleep on the couch. And for whatever reason, Rod just starts slamming the crowbar into Richard Windorf's head and ribs, killing him almost instantly. Heather's mom, Naomi, had just gotten out of the shower. She walked into the kitchen and saw the two boys. She had fixed herself a, co- a cup of coffee and everything. Then she sees the boys. And she tried to fight back. In fact, she threw a cup of the coffee that she had in her hand on the boys before she met the same fate as her husband. Rod said later that the intention was to let her live, but he changed his mind once she lunged at him and threw the cup of coffee at him. So he decided to kill her. Oh, man. The first responders on the scene called it a bloodbath. While in the house, before they left, Rod stole a shotgun from the house. And then uh, they go back out, and the five teenagers took off in the Ford Explorer. Heather's 17-year-old sister, Jennifer, was the one who actually found the bodies. She didn't initially think anything was wrong, because she was coming home past her curfew, so she was trying to sneak into the house and be quiet. She comes in. It was dark. She sees her dad asleep on the couch. She was a little surprised that she was able to get past him so easily. Usually he wakes up pretty quick. She would soon realize why it was so easy. She walked into the kitchen and saw her mom's body in a pool of her own blood. It then dawned on her that her father was not asleep. Jennifer calls 911. She reports what happened and that uh, her parents had been killed and the car was stolen and her 15-year-old sister was missing. So, did the sister know what he did? We'll get into that. Okay. After talking to Jennifer, detectives learned that it was more likely that Heather was not abducted and may very well have been involved in the murders. Jennifer said that her sister was uh, outlandish and free-spirited. She also mentioned Rod Farrell, and she felt that he was also probably involved and explained that, you know... The type of kid that he was and how mm-hmm. her sister had been involved with him and all that stuff. So they check on Rod's background and felt that he definitely needed to be a suspect. So, back to Rod's clan. So the plan was to drive to New Orleans. It's also important to know that Heather did not find out 
that they had killed her parents until they were on the road. So she didn't know. They drove through four states over the next four days, but their luck would run out, as well as their money, in Baton Rouge. So one of the young ladies, Charity Kesey, she called her grandma and asked if she could send her some money. She said yes, and she asked them to meet her at a Howard Johnson's hotel that was there in town. I don't know if what the situation was with her grandma. Uh, I don't know if her grandma lived in Baton Rouge or if uh, they were planning on wiring the money or if she was just close to him was going to drive. So I'm not sure, to be honest with you, mm-hmm. how that happened. But she had them to meet them in a Howard Johnson's there in town. Her grandma then promptly notified the police who went to the hotel and arrested the five teenagers. They were booked. Wait, there. why'd she do that? Because she pretty much knew what had happened. Grandma did? Yeah, grandma somehow knew what had happened. I mean, I guess the news was, this is four days later. I guess the uh, news was And I don't know, to be honest with you, I don't know if the uh, if Charity told her mm-hmm. what happened or any of that, but she knew what was going on somehow, some way. Okay. So she had them pretty much set up. They were booked there locally, and then they were all shipped to Juvenile Detention Center in Ocala, Florida. Rod was not remorseful at all about the killings. That's not a shock. In fact, he bragged about it, telling officers that he had no idea where the notion came from to, to kill her dad, but he and Scott just decided to kill him, and so that's what they did. And in a childish manner, Scott... And uh, I ambitiously danced around his dead body before he was dead. Oh, God, what a jerk. I hate to correct someone's English, but you can't dance around somebody's dead body before they're dead. Oh. So. He said, I was in a maelstrom of my own madness. To show how delusional he was, and this goes back to me saying he had mental illness. Mm-hmm. When he was being arrested, he told the cops... Or I should say he warned the cops that they needed to be careful because he was a vampire with vast powers. Whoa. Get over yourself there, buddy. <laughs> so the trial was huge. As we mentioned earlier, this was this was during the Satanic Panic, part of the 1990s. And this case was dealing with uh, cults, vampires, possible Satanic rituals. It made the trial a media circus. And at the trial, Rod took full blame. And said that he and Scott were in the home, but Scott just watched. And uh, the young ladies were in the car at the time of the murder, and none of them had anything to do with the murder whatsoever. It was all him. So I wonder what the girl said after they she found out that he murdered her well, parents. I don't know, but she kept going with them, so it couldn't <sighs> have been too big of a deal. When it was all said and done, Rod Farrell was charged with two counts of first-degree murder and sentenced to death. That made him the youngest person on death row in the United States at the time. Charity Kesey was convicted of two counts of third-degree murder, robbery with a gun and a deadly weapon, and burglary with a weapon. Wait, why? Because she was just with them? She was with them. She got ten and a half years. Dana Cooper got the same, but got a seventeen and a half a year sentence. And I don't understand that. So you got two young ladies who went along. They were both in the car. 
Neither one stepped foot in the house, and one of them got a ten year, ten and a half year sentence, and one of them got a seven and ten and a half year sentence. Yeah, I mean, and they didn't even know what was going on. No, but I guess they're thinking, why didn't you call the police and say what they did? Right. I mean, I guess they knew afterwards. Yeah. You know. So anyway, so Kesey got out of jail two thousand and six, and Cooper got out in two thousand eleven. Howard Scott Anderson was convicted on felony murder and given a life sentence without possibility of parole. So obviously Rod uh, saying none of them had anything to do with it didn't mean crap. Mm -hmm. Didn't matter. In 2016, however, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled that juveniles who had been sentenced to life without parole were entitled to new sentencing hearings. Anderson was resentenced to 40 years with credit for time served. He will be able to be released in 2032. He'll be in his early 50s. Back to Rod. In 2000, his sentence was commuted to de- from death to life in prison without possibility of parole. So he's not getting out. He has yeah. no opportunity to get out. Right. Last but not least, the victim's daughter, Heather Wendorf. Heather was not convicted of any charges and left a free woman she was implicated but she was cleared when the the i guess the jury found out that she had no idea that the teens planned on killing her parents so my opinion is that if she wrote a letter at one point in time to this guy who obviously had mental issues and was mentally unstable, saying that she wished someone would murder her parents. What's up with that? She should have some kind of responsibility. My thoughts. Well, I mean, I agree with that 100%. So, had you ever heard about this? No, not at all. I heard about it a a long time ago. And once again, it was one of the things that I I had forgotten about and ran Mm -hmm. back across it. I don't know. I think the whole situation is completely screwed up. Uh, um, obviously I was not at the trial, so I didn't hear everything. And I'm Mm -hmm. sure the research that I did didn't have everything in it. The, the juries had to hear something different than what I ran across in order to give everybody else, especially the young ladies, uh, that were in the car, um, such drastic sentences. I mean, they, were, I they mean, weren't in the house at they all. They literally had no clue that that was going to happen, so, I guess. you know, unless they found out that, oh, no, it was talked about on the way up there. So maybe, you know, but even, not that you can put so much credibility, but even Rod said that it wasn't the plan to kill him until they just got yeah, in and they just made the decision to do it. really, really And he weird. says, you know, him and Scott, Howard Scott, that, you know, they made the decision and this and that. So I understand why... He was implicated yeah. in why he got such stuff. Because he was in there. He was kind of part of whether he lifted, you know, uh, the crowbar or not. He was still part of it. But the people in, in inside the car, even the daughter, you know, if they're outside in the car and they really don't know what's going on, I almost don't know how they can be charged with anything except for not not telling about the crime after the fact. Yeah, that would be the only thing I would think. And then how Heather got off scot-free is beyond me. So, because wow, I mean, even the sister implemented her, yeah, so that really makes no sense. That's true. I don't know, it's kind of a screwed up situation, so I don't know. Uh, yeah, that's that's a terrible story, terrible, but anyway, so the um, 
The two boys are still in jail. And Wonder where they're in jail at. I don't know. I don't know. I'm well, sure it's in Kentucky or somewhere. No, I'm sure. Well, I'm glad they're I, still in jail. You know what? I don't know. It's probably, it's, I'm sure it's in Florida. Yeah. That's where the crime took place. So they'll be in jail in Florida probably. Yeah. And they were arrested in Ocala, so, but I don't know where all the federal mm-hmm. uh, prisons and all that stuff are, or the maximum security. I'm sure they're in maximum security. That's some scary crap there. That's scary. So that's the, the mind is a powerful thing. So you, you've got a teenager, and, and let's take aside, uh, let's take, take away the thoughts of maybe the molestation or any of that stuff that happened. Let's, let's just assume now that did happen. You got a mom who's got a young kid. When 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 kids are you know young and teenagers, that's when they're most impressionable. Yeah. And you know you're telling them that you belong in a vampire group, and you tell them you got them all fascinated with vampires and the lifestyle. I'm not talking about watching scary movies or this and that. I'm talking about when you're actually saying this is your lifestyle. Yeah, yeah. And you're not goth. You're you're talking about you're a vampire. Yeah, yeah. You know, and that leaves an impression on these kids. Of course, when especially comes, you know. So I mean, I think the parents got a lot to do with this, the upbringing. Then you then you sprinkle in the fact that uh, constantly being around bad influences and home life, not growing up with with positive role models, all that then just pays extra into it. Yeah, that's so unfair. You know, so I mean, I don't like I said, I don't know if any of the stuff with his grandpa was true, but definitely his mom had a you know a huge part a in huge that. part in in what he was uh, impressioned on. Mm. Anyways, that's the story for this week. Dang, everybody, hug your kids. Don't tell them they're vampires. <laughs> yeah, give them love. Yeah. All right. So let's cover um, a real quick bunch of live shows. All of them are at hillbillyhorrorstories.com. And they're even hard for us to keep up with. It starts April 25th in I know. Louisville. That is it's wonderful. I'm so excited so for Bishop, this year. Bishop and, uh, and exorcist mm-hmm. and demonologist, James Long. Love him. You sent him on Ghost Adventures and uh, uh, what was that? Uh, Portals to Hell. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And several other things on the History Channel. And of course... You know, we'll be there. Ohio will be there. And history goes bump. That'd be fun. I'm so excited. Uh, if you can't see Bishop James Long there and Ohio and us, all three of us will be back in Indianapolis the next month. But mm-hmm. uh, instead of history goes bump, Justin Rimmel from Mysterious Circumstances will be there. And then, like I said, we've got shows coming up in Savannah, uh, Charleston. Both of those are going to be awesome. Gettysburg, Bobby Mackey's, Pigeon Forge with the with the uh, Graveyard Tales guys. Oh, no. Adam and Matt. I'm happy, happy, That's happy. That's going to be fun. And I'm probably missing one somewhere along the way. Yeah, but, but you uh, can find them all on our website. Yeah, Horror Stories. Go, uh, you can just go to our uh, site, and there's a page for nothing but the live shows, and you can click on it and buy tickets and get dates and find out who else is going to be. Yeah, there. come on, guys. We can't wait to see you all again. It's a highlight of our year. All right. Um Let's go ahead and do the iTunes and the Patreons, and then we'll talk about something else. Show re- this this show related about the number of episodes we're doing, and I want to get your guys' opinion on something. iTunes. Some of these I'm going to pronounce wrong, uh, and that's your fault for having crazy iTunes names. <laughs> so, Sea Siren Two, Wendy Ninety Three, CYD, which is probably Sid Thirteen Thirteen, Jen Casto. We won't mis- mispronounce her name. Uh, Reagan Thompson, same there. Uh, this one I'm not even going to try. Some stuff like that. Thank you. From Hawaii. That's yeah, amazing. Hawaii. We didn't want to screw up your name at all. Yeah, I don't are. know if that's a name or if that's something Hawaiian, but it all runs together in an iTunes name. So if we butchered something that's uh, 
Beautiful. Um, it's know, probably a beautiful name. Yeah, a Hawaiian language or something. Aloha. Mike from your new Best Friends podcast, which I have to give them a review as well. I forgot, and I haven't been able to do that yet. So we owe you a review, Mike. Uh, Draga 307, Cianano S45, or Cianano's S45. I, oh, they probably don't go. Either way. Mojo Lobster, I like that. Jake 4824, Lola121212, Winnie the Pup. Judith the Nurse, I think that's Alton 109, and Goats, G-O-O-A-T-Z. So there you go. Thank you guys for your reviews. Um, we appreciate them so much. Yes, absolutely. Thank you guys for all that. Patreons, new Patreons this week, we had Deborah Ware, Misty, and it looks like Ada B. Motley. Love it. Thank you guys for your support. You're keep, amazing. Keep in mind, a lot of you took advantage of the lifetime Patreon support. We appreciate oh my you so gosh. much. Thank but you guys so much. But if you didn't, we still have the regular Patreon that you can mm-hmm. sign up for. A dollar a month gets you four shorts a month, and it gets you all of our regular episodes 100% ad-free. So, you know, if you don't like commercials, a buck a month, you can get rid of every one of them. There you go. And then there's other tiers, 3, 5, 10, and 15, and it gets you all kinds of different stuff, including some merch in there after so mm-hmm. long on some of them. So go check it out at patreon.com, and you can see which tier fits for you, and you can start getting you a bunch of bonus episodes. Okay, uh, before we get on to the next part, uh, right before we left, and we haven't recorded since then, right before we left, Tracy and I lost a friend, a gentleman by the name of Robert Morgan, and it goes back to my comedy days uh, Robert was from the great state of Indiana. I met Robert, uh, doing comedy in Louisville, uh, way before I even met Tracy. Mm-hmm. Robert was a former insurance salesman who decided to get into the comedy business and he literally left his entire business and career to fully focus on comedy. And he made a pretty good living being an insurance he guy. Did. And he gave all that up just to focus on comedy. Yes. And he, he started, was amazing. He started sponsoring shows, and we did some shows for him up in uh, up in Indiana. Uh, well, all of them were in Indiana. Uh-huh. And then, um, you know, we've done a bunch of stuff together, and it, he's had a lot of health problems, a lot of diabetes-related problems, and some heart problems, and, uh, you know, he's progressively gotten worse, and um, we just really sucks. His wife, uh, Susan, was actually been on one of our Patreon episodes, mm-hmm. uh, telling her some of her stories. And he reached out to me the week before, talking about him and, and his wife maybe going to do a podcast, wanting some information. And uh, next thing you know, right before we left to go to Florida, uh, about two days before we left, on the 7th, uh, he passed away. Yeah. Um, kind of unexpected. I mean, I know he had a lot of health problems, so it can't be completely unexpected. But yeah. That's it really just, sad. We miss him. He's an awesome, awesome person. Yeah, really funny guy. Really unique sense of humor. And um, yeah, I'm definitely going to miss him. I, and, yeah, we are going to miss him. So, so, but at least he's better and free. So our thoughts go out to him and his wife, Susan. Yeah. All right. Well, let's transition. All right, some of this is going to sound like bitching, griping, and complaining. It's not meant to be taken that way. It's going to come across as criticism, but it's coming. This is coming more out of, I guess, confusion and frustration. 
And you can tell me, the listeners, if I'm completely wrong in thinking this way or if I'm right in thinking this way. But, you know, we decided a while back that we were going to try to put out more episodes. So we put out a Wednesday episode. And the main reason we put out that Wednesday episode is we like to do some of the interviews. And some of you guys really like it. Some of you hate it. And I get that. And, you know, we would constantly hear, and we try to listen to you guys. We constantly hear, why are you doing, you know, I love the, the show on Sunday. I love the story, but I hate the interviews. Okay, so we decided, well, let's do a Wednesday show where we do the interview. That way, if you don't want to listen to it, which, God forbid, you don't really have to listen to it. If it's on the end of the show, you can stop the show. But regardless, we put it on a separate episode. And we decided just to add a little more flair to it. And maybe this was a mistake on our part, you tell me, that we would do a small story. There's a bunch of stories that we do that um, or we would like to do that aren't long enough for a Sunday episode. They're not. You know, they, they last 10 minutes, if that. Some of them, five or six minutes. So we really don't have enough information to put them on a regular show. So we thought, you know what? We've ran across a lot of those. Let's do those stories on Wednesday. So you get a short story by us. So it's a little bit like the Sunday show, and then we'll do our interview. But the main focus is the interview. The The story that we do at the beginning was just kind of a throw-in, just to kind of give you a little extra. The whole show, in theory, is a little extra, you know, but it kept it separated, so there you go. And then we thought, man, you know what? We sure do get a lot of cool people wanting to tell us their stories. Maybe we make that another show. So we do have a listener call in and tell us their story, and we read some other listener stories, which we've done before in the past. We've read listener stories on the past several times. And we do it on our Patreon bonus show on the first of every month. So we thought, let's make that a Tuesday episode. We had Leslie, Leslie Fear, doing the Fear of the Week, which is completely different. So we wanted to give that its own segment. So we thought, at first, we'll do another short story. And then I thought, well, let's let's make it completely different. Let's have Kristen set in with me. And we'll do paranormal news. But the goal is to have every single episode different. Sunday night is Sunday night. That's Hillbilly Horror Stories. And as there, if you notice, there's no difference in names. The other shows have names. Paranormal Encounters, Fear of the Week. Uh, you've got the mid midweek episode. Mm-hmm. And that's because they are completely different. You know, we talked about possibly doing something with Dakota and, and uh, Kristen, you know, for kids. To have a separate episode. But keep in mind, those are not Hillbilly Horror Stories. That's why they're different names. It's Hillbilly Horror Stories Presents. Hillbilly Horror Stories is Sunday, will always be Sunday night. That's the main show. So I thought we made that really clear to people. And I understand if it's a new listener that just happens to tune in and they hear paranormal, they listen to the paranormal encounters, they may not know any different, think that's the whole show all the time. Mm -hmm. They don't listen to anything else. But to our listeners who've been with us for a while, you know, it, it was made clear that these were just, they're bonuses. They're, every one of them is a bonus. We don't have to do any of them. We did them all because we started, I started getting free time from work, went to a part-time basis at work. I had extra time and I wanted to give back to you guys. So from the outside looking in, I'm thinking, hey, this is something cool. We can do a bunch of extra stuff and give back to the listeners. Well, here's my confusion. Here's an, a review that we got. It says, what happened? I won't call out the person because that's not fair because I'm not criticizing the person, but you'll see my point. This was one of my favorite shows, but in the last few months, 
It's like content overload, and I wish I could say that it's all good, but it's not. I still love the host, but the show isn't what it used to be. Some episodes, you're just reading other people's stories. I wish it was back to once a week and one really good show. Sorry, guys. Now, this confuses me because the Sunday show that this person loves is still there. Mm-hmm. It's not changed. We spend about 25 hours a week on that Sunday show. And yes, we are reading other people's stories because the other shows we put out during the week aren't meant to be the same as the Sunday show. We can't do three or four shows and put 25 hours in each one. Right. We've not put any less into that show. And we, if anything, we've put a little more into the show. My confusion is some people may think that the show isn't as good as it used to be on Sundays. And maybe that's because we've got a hundred and I think we just finished, what is it, 187 episodes? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We've ran out of all the huge, huge stories. So there's a bunch of stories out there that don't have quite the meat on the bone, so to speak, as some of the earlier stories we've done. So are the stories as great as they used to be? No, they're not. You know, we occasionally run across one that I think is just as good as some of the old ones. But, you know, we cherry picked and got there. We didn't think this thing was going to last three years. And so we're doing all the great stories. And yeah, we're going to keep finding the stories, but we can't always find as many details as what's in some of the other stories. I think a lot of the stories are just as good, but they might not be as detailed, which gives people the thought that maybe there's less effort being put into it. But I can assure you, the Sunday episodes had the same amount of effort they've had from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And that's a, and that's a fact. You know, as some of you might have saw, we were on vacation and I was writing stories because the Sunday stories we can't keep up with. We typically, this story that we're recording right now is the story that comes out tonight. That's how we're, it, it, we, it takes us along. We can't do two, three, four stories at a time. You know, these other episodes that we're doing, some of these, I had four or five weeks already done in advance because they're quick to do. So are they as good? Absolutely not. That was not the intention. The intention was not for those other three or four shows to be as good as. They were meant to be extras, just to give back. But now we got people saying, hey, there's too much. And if it's and and they're not as good, I wish there was just one one good one left. And I don't understand that. If you don't the the Sunday show's still there. If you don't like the other episodes, just don't listen to the other episodes. Mm-hmm. But the Sunday show's no different. If we quit doing those other three shows right now, the Sunday show's still going to be the same as what it would have been. And I guess my confusion is, that's like saying Coca-Cola. If you drink Coke and you love Coke, are you mad because they put out Sprite and Coke Zero and, and Diet Coke? Are you out there saying, oh, I just wish there was just one Coke again and, and I wish that, you know, I, wish, I don't know why they put all the others out there. It just seems like Coke overload. No, just drink Coke. You don't have to drink Sprite and mellow yellow or anything else they got out. And to me, that's the same thing. Our Coke is our Sunday episode. And it's out there the same as Coca-Cola's out there. Mm-hmm. You don't have to to listen to the other ones. So I just don't understand why when we put all the extra out, that gets us criticism for having too much out and then criticism that the other shows aren't the same. They weren't meant to be the same. Each show is exactly different. None of them are the same. So I don't know. That was that one. And the next one kind of falls similarly in line. Uh, but this one probably will be a little more criticism than the other one. This one says good three stars. Uh, and the other one was two stars, right? That yeah, was two stars. Yeah. Okay. So, love these two. They are amazing as podcast hosts. They used to be one of my favorite podcasts. 
I'm not sure what happened, but it seems like the majority of the time an episode has turned into help for suicide prevention, commercials, and other times call-in guests. Basically, it's not a full researched episode on certain topics anymore. Once again, Sunday show has not changed. Are we going to put in a full researched episode? This is where the smaller uh, stories come in, like on uh, Wednesdays when we do uh, the interview. Those can't be really much. We give you small stories that really can't be much more research than that. There isn't anything else to them. That's why they're on that show. And so I think this person may be looking at those little five minute, six minute episodes that we're doing on Wednesday night and saying, oh, we're just giving them a half ass show. That's not the case. It wouldn't meant to be. So, I mean, once again, I wish, you know, and the call in guest, this is this somebody, and I'm assuming, is this somebody who thinks the other three episodes are supposed to be all just like the Sunday episode? Yeah, we have call in guests. We have a call in guest on the encounters episode, and we have a call in guest on the uh, Wednesday night episode. That's what that show is designed to be. It's for call in guests. It's not meant to be Sunday night hillbilly horror stories. Uh, so, anyways, uh, so it says basically, it's not a full research episode on certain topics anymore. I've kept coming back, but honestly, I do more so just to keep them going. Tribe Ohio, Omnibus, or stuff they don't like to know, or stuff they don't want you to know. Sorry, Jerry and Tracy. All right, now here's where the criticism is going to come in. Look, I appreciate all of your support in the past. But you don't have to keep listening to keep us going. We'll be fine without you. <laughs> so you can just stop listening right now if you want to. Trust me, you're not going to hurt us a bit. Not that we don't value all of our listeners, but don't feel like you're holding our ship together because you're not. We won't sink without you. And guys, I want to tell you this. If you ever feel the need to go on another show and leave a negative review and if you're that type of person, that's fine. I personally don't feel the need to leave a negative review. If I don't like something, I just move on. But if you feel the need to leave a negative review on another paranormal podcast or any podcast, please do not ever end it by telling them to listen to us. That is completely lowbrow and classless. It just is. Um, I don't want to be associated with something like that. That's a troll move, you know, and I love, I love all those shows. Mm-hmm. You know, guys from Brohau, great friends of ours. I have no, I have no problems with them, and and I love their show myself. But to go and leave a negative review and then say, "Hey, you should listen to this or this or this," that's just classless. Just don't, don't do that. Don't put our name in any of those if you ever decide to leave a review like that. That's all I'm going to say. So, anyways, you tell us. You can send us a message on Facebook, or you can email us. Are we wrong in assuming this? Because to be honest with you, we came across this thinking that we're just going to quit doing all the extra shows. If it's going to do nothing but hurt us by trying to do something extra, which God forbid, I never thought that would be the case. I can't believe we're even having this conversation. But to get negative reviews because we're doing extra, because the extra stuff's not the same as the other, I'm blown away. I don't even know what to say. And for the all the extra, I worked my ass off for three straight weeks before vacation to put all those episodes out. Yep. And I mean, I'm talking four or five interviews a night, every night, staying up to 11, 12 o'clock editing to get enough out to where we could put all these out while we were on vacation. And then to hear negative, like I said, hey, if it's not good enough and people don't like it, it is what it is. It don't matter how much work went into it. You know, but if I'm wrong 
and people actually like it. And this is just a couple of, of people that just don't like it as much and they've got their own opinion, which they're welcome to. Like I said, I'm not criticizing them for having their opinion. I'm just saying, I'm just trying to figure out what caused the opinion. Is there is the other stuff so different that it takes away from the main show? We don't want to do that either. You know, and if that's the case, you know, like I said, just let us know. Is it worth, do you like the new shows? Do you not like the new shows? Are we taken away? Do you feel like that the Sunday night show is different? And if so, why? Just tell us. So we will learn like we've always done. We've always taken advice from you guys. But also some of the advice was I've heard from the time we started. Y'all should do more shows a week. How many times have we heard that? Yeah, a lot. I wish y'all had a show every day. We almost got to the point where we got a show every day and now we're getting criticism from it. Yeah. We so. just don't, we just don't want to disappoint people so that's exactly it and you know we do value you guys opinions and but honestly if you don't think the rest of the shows are good or whatever tell us i'm sure jerry (laughs) i won't mind not doing as much work yeah yeah so but he does put a lot of time and effort into all these shows and the last thing he wants to do is disappoint anybody and as me either i don't want people not to you know Start saying, oh, you know, things are not good or whatever, because that, that really hurts. It hurts me. And let's be real. Um, I'm going to keep, for sure, the midweek episode, because that's an interview with other podcasters. It helps them out, and we've gotten some, you know, luck out of that uh, as far as success, and, and, and people really like it. We'll probably scrap the story at the beginning. We'll just do an interview. And then that way, nobody can criticize the story was not researched enough, because that's not what it was meant to be. You know, if you're looking for two episodes of what we do on Sunday, that's not going to happen. It's just not. There's not enough time. I can't put 60 hours a week into two episodes. I can't. You know, it's just not going to happen. But there'll always be Sunday, and uh, and I'll do the Wednesday, and and maybe we'll just cut that story out so there's no comparison. Two completely different episodes. And then there's no confusion as to what's supposed to happen. But I thought everybody knew that each episode was going to be different. And... um, I don't know, because that's what we said on the show. The each one's going to be different. But I don't know. Could be wrong. You tell us, and, and we'll go from there. But nonetheless, we love you guys. Absolutely. Every and, one and of we you. we want to keep you guys happy. So just let us know, and we respect each and everybody's opinions, and that's great. That's, and to the that, people who wrote those reviews, it is really no hard feelings. No, not at all, because we expect to have bad reviews that's just the way it is but we want to know what we need to do better to make everybody happy so right that's that that's our only thing we just want to know and so, we'll go with majority rules I yeah mean, if, of course if we get 50 people write us and say hey i like most of the new stuff and then we got a couple that write us and say no i really don't i mean if it's going to be an out you know uh, a big number of people that would rather have it then we'll keep doing them but i you know it's a lot of work for to get negative reviews and to have less listens because our, our listens have actually went down, which some we didn't think about was the fact that, you know, we figured some people will listen to some, some will listen to the other, some people will listen to all of them. Uh, it's been pretty even across the board. I mean, our numbers are pretty much the same on every episode by mm-hmm. the time the, the week's up. It's about the same amount of people listen to each one. So we were happy with that, you know, but apparently not everybody's happy. So we, you know, we're just confused and we want to know what, what we need to do. Amen. So we'll put the future of these extra episodes in your guys' hands. But we would appreciate any feedback you can give us, no matter how you send it. 
Absolutely. We love you guys. And thank you guys so much. We'll see you next week, and you'll get to hear a story about a, uh, a man and his uh, group of campers, or we should say miners, that were uh, attacked by a family of Bigfoot. Oh, okay. Well, y'all have a blessed week.